Good morning, Connect Church. I'm coming to you from my home where I am going to be speaking and sharing with you barefoot. My name is Jolene Bonnie, and I don't have shoes on because I don't need to have shoes on. Um, there are a lot of privileges that we have as we gather around God's word from our homes. But the one thing I want to encourage you to do is to try and make sure that it's a distraction-free time. Uh, I had so many distractions just when I was recording this even, and from a fridge making a noise, neighborhood noises, our pool pump, um, I was switching things off the whole time. I then nailed it and got it perfectly recorded, and then I quickly checked it before I was about to send it off, and I had a piece of hair just sticking out that way that was incredibly distracting. You wouldn't have been able to focus. So <laughs> you would have just seen an arrow pointing out the whole time, and that happened the last time I, I was sharing with the, the painting on the wall. So I've tried to make this in a, a, a distraction-free zone uh, because the most important thing is that we are the priesthood of all believers. We are all here as a church as priests in our own right, because God has things that he wants to impart to us. The Holy Spirit is in your home. He's with you. And um, we just want to make this a time where true ministry happens, even though it looks a little bit different. And today we are going through a series um, sharing specific things that have been in our heart. And something that I've been challenged with and have had many conversations with people in our community about is just about um, the future of our country. And it's always a, a scary topic. And um, But when it, we're in God's kingdom, we talk about these things because this is real life. And we are just going to engage a little. And how do we have hope in the situation that we're in? There are many scary realities about the country we live in. There are many scary realities about the world we live in. A post-COVID South Africa looks very different to the South Africa we lived in nine months ago to the one we lived in five years ago, or 10 years ago, or even 20 years ago. But the thing that hasn't changed is that God still has his hand on our country and he still has a plan for our country. But how do we stick at it and not lose heart? How do we um, stay in this country and, and be part of God's purpose and feel positive about it? How does God want to use us? And I can't answer all those questions, I'd love to, but I just want to use two images today. And if you can think back um, on the on your primary school days, and you might be able to remember them if they weren't too long ago, or if you have a good memory, but do you remember learning directions north, south, east, and west? And then you possibly remember learning about the compass and learning that there was another north. And that's like one of those realities of, you know, have I been lied to my whole life about north? But you realize that magnetic north shifts a little bit. It's not a constant point. I mean, it's a, it's a very small change, but there's, there's a shift according to what's happening in the magnetic in the core of the earth, and, and the, the needle can alter ever so slightly. And for me, that's quite an interesting analogy because I, I think I'd like to think of our part in God's kingdom and the way he chooses to use us as being our true north. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. He is so constant. He is always doing a new thing and his spirit's always doing a new thing, but it's always in line with his word and with who he is. And, and there's a beautiful, could we say, true northness about it. Um, but then things come and distract and they come in and, and challenge us and challenge our hearts and, 
And if anything, this year's shown me that although I feel and have always thought that my life is focused on my true north, that there's a magnetic pull on my heart that sometimes churns my my emotions up, that makes me doubt where I'm going, um, that sometimes just affects my thinking, my values, my behavior. And I think we are we are all like that as humans. Um, but the ideal is that we just stay tracking with God, and especially when it comes to where he's placed us. Now, um, for the sake of today, when we're talking about God's kingdom, I'm going to be talking about our true north. And when I'm talking about the pull on our hearts and just the pull of the world, I'm going to be speaking about our magnetic north. And using two characters in the Bible, the one is Jonah, who found himself in some interesting situations. And then the other is Paul, who found himself in some very similar situations, yet his responses were incredibly different to Jonah's. And sadly, Jonah's are what not to do guy. <laughs> and, and Paul is a great example of a, of a human um, who wasn't God, but was a follower of God and God used him in a significant way. Now, we also need to realize, and I think something that gave rise to, to this topic being on my heart is that so many people are leaving the country and it does make us uncertain. It pulls on our magnetic north. Should we be leaving too? Should we not wait too long? Um, you know, it's it's better to kind of leave while while things are still fairly good, while we still have money in our pockets. And these conversations have come up a lot. And this isn't I just want to say it from the start, I'm not anti-immigration. This isn't slating immigration at all. God has raised up significant families from our church to move to different areas and to pursue other work and to join other communities. And it has been a blessed experience. Um, we've had pastors leave and, and go to other churches and be a blessing that way. We've had missionaries go. Um, so God raises people up and he sends them away for various purposes. And he also brings us to various places. Um, if we had to be, if we had to look at our church and and track where where kind of everyone originated, we'd find a lot of movement. And um, because a parent, grandparent, great grandparent, someone along the line decided to hop in a boat, a plane, um, a train, a walk <laughs> to this country, um, possibly for better opportunities, for a spirit of adventure, for whatever reason. And God has used that as part of our story. So it would be naive of me to speak for God. And um, even if you look at the Old Testament, there was a lot of, and the New, there was a lot of human movement that was part of God's plan. So I cannot say to immigration. However, if you are here today and you're in this country um, and you are grappling with the realities, there still is a challenge in that. But we can still blossom where God's planted us. That whole saying, bloom where you've been planted. Really, God has placed us here for a purpose and we can have a hope in that. So we're going to look at our what not to do and just look at some toxic beliefs and mistakes that we can make that can really hijack God's purpose. And so I want you to take off your, I've heard Jonah a million times, spectacles or earplugs or whatever it is. And um, let's focus on some of the things that came from his mouth, because I think that is always that overflow of the heart comes from the mouth. Um, and so we can, we can learn some lessons from the mistakes that Jonah's made, but then also look at Paul's life and just be encouraged and enthused of how God can use us and catch a picture and a vision of what he can do. So... We learn firstly three mistakes that Jonah makes in the first few verses of, of the book of Jonah. In chapter one, if I read it to you, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah 
and said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship um, bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And we see three very big mistakes that he makes straight away. The first mistake is that it's his view of God. That Jonah thinks that going in a different direction can kind of get him away from God and God's purposes. And I'm not sure exactly at that point what Jonah would have known about God, what, but it did seem like God had chosen to use him and he had a very good revelation of who God was. Um, and in that, in that whole time, he thinks going in a different direction is going to take him away from God. And it's a strange one because it's a mistake we wouldn't make. Yet for us... Our view of God can be somewhat warped and corrupted by, by the times that we live in, that subtleties have crept in, things that have just altered slightly our view of God, where all of a sudden we think certain things are okay that aren't. Um, we think that, that God permits certain things that he doesn't. And, and so we can learn that, that it, right at the start, Jonah's number one problem was actually the way he saw God. And that's where everything starts in our walk with God. The most significant thing in life is your relationship with God. It is the most precious thing. It is the thing that everything else should pivot from. And if it doesn't, everything else I'm going to say is actually meaningless because that is the first problem that we need to solve in our own lives. The next mistake Jonah makes, though, is he's thinking that he could disobey God and that everything will still be okay. He thought that getting on the boat and stepping out of God's master plan wouldn't have consequences. I'm not sure about you, but I most definitely wouldn't get in on a boat if I was choosing um, consciously to step out of God's plan because you know now that anything can happen. Um, but Jonah, Jonah kind of thought that he was kind of not wiser than God, but that he was going to take control into his own hands. And time after time, we've seen it through God's word, through people we know, through our own experience, is that you can never step out of God's will and be happy and be okay. It's not like he's waiting with a whip to punish us. But it's a sad thing when in our lives we miss out on God's best and we choose to do things that are against what he's do, asking us to do. And sometimes there are more serious consequences because we're putting ourselves in, a, in our own hands and not in God's. And I'd rather be in God's hands than my own. And in the third mistake he makes, estate agents, if you any out there, John Weston and anyone else, location, location, location. Jonah thinking that where he went didn't matter to God. He thought that going in a different direction wouldn't matter. He thought it was a quite a wise plan. And so he got in his boat and he left as fast as he could in the first few verses of the book of Jonah. We see it right there. Where you are actually does matter to God. Where he's placed you matters. Where you were born, every country that's been part of your story, all of that matters to God. The world matters to God. People matter to God. He wants to see people come into a relationship with him. Your faith isn't just about you. It's about who you're telling, how you're spreading it, about those around you. It is his will that none should perish. And so God has placed you somewhere 
and there's a reason that you are where you are. So if you should choose to leave, there should be a very good reason why you're choosing to leave where God has placed you. And it should be that God is leading you. But Jonah had the opposite. His mistake was thinking that where he was going didn't matter. So we see those three mistakes, but we also see him make three error judgments in the next in the next few chapters and next few verses. And so we're just going to quickly look at those two. And the first errors that he makes in his judgment is the peace that he has. He gets on the boat and he actually falls asleep while the storm's brewing. Now, I don't know if you remember the, another time, a significant time where that happened in the Bible, but definitely one that springs to mind for me is when Jesus calms the storm and he's with his disciples on the boat and he has this beautiful peace amidst the craziness and the turmoil that, that nature's kind of churning up. That was a peace from God. It was a peace knowing that everything was going to be okay. The peace that Jonah felt, I think, was a, phew, at last I'm on this boat, I'm going in another direction, I'm running away from God. And so peace can sometimes be a very misleading thing. I've heard many people say, um, no, it's okay, I, you know, I've had such peace about it. Is that really God's peace? Because we know from Jonah that, that you can have a peace that actually has come because of situations. There is a peace that I have when I have money in my bank account. There's a peace that I have when I have a home around, walls around my, my home and, and burglar bars and things to protect me. There's a peace that I have when I know that I t- switch the tap on and water comes up. There's something wonderful about that peace because it's security. But we mustn't mix that up with the peace that comes from being in right relationship with God. And Jonah had mixed it up. Listen to this. Um, in Jonah 1 verse 6, But Jonah had gone below a deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. So you see, he was just kind of in this little bubble that wasn't reality. And we can sometimes be going around in our peaceful bubble thinking the plans that we're making are absolutely okay when they're not from God. We can put kind of fake and and unreal Christ-like things around us that we think makes everything okay. We, we can throw a few verses in, we can throw a few confirmations in and, and, and make what we're doing seem okay. But realistically, we need to listen to God's voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And that's what we need to honor. The next bad judgment that, that Jonah made was thinking that he was serving God when he actually wasn't. When they ask him on the boat, who are you? What is happening? They're trying to discern why the storm has come out of nowhere. And Jonah's answer to them is, I'm a Hebrew, card-carrying Hebrew. Here I am. I'm a child of God. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So he's, he's making this great claim to fame when he's actually running away from God. And the mistake he makes there is thinking that the card, the name is what is his kind of like safe ticket. We can so often hide behind the banner of Christianity. I've got my ticket to heaven. I know where I'm going. My future is secure. When in reality, we're not serving God with our whole hearts. We're not going true north. We're not going and stepping into his plan daily, every hour of every day, every minute of every hour. 
and in the next bad judgment that Jonah makes, um, is that he he has a, a slight honoring of God's plan when he lands up in the in the fish's stomach for three days and three nights, and so he tells God, he says, God, I'll do what you've told me to do, but Jonah doesn't have a change of heart, and sometimes we think that obedience means that our heart changes and all of a sudden because I'm doing this now I'm going to stay in South Africa I'm going to be part of the solution but nothing changes in your heart you're just like Jonah obeying orders but but nothing's changed in terms of your love for people Jonah thought that that was the right thing to do but nothing had changed inside him and we're going to see a very ugly side of Jonah come out pretty soon then Jonah 2 verse 9, this is his actual words. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. He's saying this in the tummy of a fish, but pretty soon he's going to be spewed out. He's going to be safe again, and his heart is going to be on show. And I just know that sometimes in hard situations, we often get our heart right. We align ourselves with God's plan. We say, yes, Lord, this is it. I'm going to rely on you. I mean, there have been many great conversions and recommitments during COVID. But the minute that situation changes, our hearts are back to normal. And that was the bad judgment he made of just thinking that obedience was okay. It's not just obedience. God doesn't want robots. He wants people whose hearts are devoted to him. And his work. And then we don't just see three mistakes and three bad judgments, but we also see three bad attitudes. And it's quite shocking to actually see someone's heart, but actually, maybe our journals would read like this too. And the attitude, the first attitude to look at is his attitude towards others. In the last chapter of Jonah, in chapter four, what's happened is he's gone, he's preached the message, people have repented. Um, even the animals didn't eat or drink. An interesting sidebar for Jonah, as you should see in chapter three and four, um, it God's, the, yeah, the animals seem to be part of the whole part and parcel of Nineveh. But um, I, I, I'm hoping that that means that, that my dogs have repented and I'm going to be in heaven, um, but maybe I should make them pray and fast tomorrow just to make sure. So, But basically, um, in Nineveh, the people, the animals... They all repented. <laughs> um, they didn't eat. They didn't drink. Um, and no, I don't believe animals can truly repent. But um, but it, it does clearly say that they were. Um, they didn't eat and drink. And then later, at the end of of Jonah chapter four, um, God does talk about how He cares for the for the people and the animals. So anyway, that's a total sidebar. Um, back to the main point is that his attitude towards the lives of others. These people have repented. They've turned to God. They are horrible people. When the Ninevites were attacking, um, people would rather in the cities kill themselves and commit suicide than fall into the hands of the Ninevites. Every feeling that Jonah had was technically a realistic and an okay feeling. Yet he doesn't see the people the way God does. And so we look at his attitude towards them in the verses in, in chapter 4, starting in verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong that God had saved them. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I, was, I, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. 
I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than live. Jonah probably knew that, that the Ninevites surviving would mean bad news for him. He wanted to see them perish. He didn't see them the way that God did. And so you see his heart show here, and it's fairly ugly. Um, and, and the overflow of it is that it even affects the way he sees his own life. He doesn't feel like he has hope anymore because that's his second wrong attitude. The first is his attitude towards other people. The second is his attitude towards himself. And he says in verse 3, he says, it's better to die. And then going down to verse 9, he rants at God and he says, and I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. Imagine an incredible act of obedience. He's had this whole um, place that has repented and believed and all these people that have turned to God. He should be rejoicing and celebrating. But his heart to them hasn't changed and his heart towards himself has just got really ugly. There's a saying that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And you can see how all of a sudden he has these toxic words coming out his mouth. And it doesn't just stay there. His attitude towards the work of God, although he doesn't insult God directly, he challenges God. And his attitude towards what God has done is not great. And in fact, it shows that he has greater concern for God's provision for him than God's salvation for other people. And you see it, and I'm not going to read it because there's not enough time, but I'm just going to give you the, the basic object lesson that God gives him. He sits there, he's outside the city, um, he's kind of getting ready to watch its distraction, whatever he's expecting, um, you know, the Coke and popcorn moment just waiting. And it's hot, and what God does is in that time, he a tree grows or a plant, a plant that gives him shade. And Jonah in the heat of what must have been a very intense um, moment and he must have been exhausted, started to appreciate the shade and it started to look like amazing provision. But then what happens? A worm comes to eat the plant and Jonah is devastated. The shade that covered him and was this amazing provision for him is now gone. And God speaks to Jonah and says, Jonah, this is a, just, you know, a plant that was there for your provision. How do you think I feel about these people? And Jonah still doesn't see it. He's more grumpy about what covered him and about the provision that he's lost than about these people who've been saved. And the book of Jonah doesn't really have any amazing ending. It doesn't have any hot conclusions. But this for me is probably the gist of the story is that in South Africa, there are many of us who are feeling hectically uncomfortable, not because of what God's doing amongst people, not because of what's happening amongst other people, but because my tree is getting eaten up by a worm, my shelter and my shade is, is quickly disappearing. What I used to benefit from and have in my life that made it so comfortable seems to be shaky. The rand seems to be declining. You know, property might not be a good investment. Um, all the money that I may have here, yeah, I don't have that much. <laughs> all the money that I have here, yeah, though, is at risk. It won't count for anything. You know, and so all of a sudden, I'm grumpy about the fact that my securities have been challenged. And that is the heart of what many of us are going through. We're having to deal with our own arrogance, our own selfishness, 
our own need to not have Ubuntu, that we all be coming through each other and helping each other, and most importantly, getting to that true north, that kingdom perspective of God's kingdom and building his kingdom. But I, my, my kingdom is being compromised, and that is what's upsetting me. That's what's making me think I should be making other plans to leave, that there's no future for me here. When you're part of God's kingdom, there is always a future for you. There's always a hope. There's always a plan. And we love that verse because we read it out of context. We don't always understand it. And we think, well, that's it. It doesn't mean prosperity. God gave Jonah a very hard job. God gave many people in the Bible difficult jobs. So it's not about having this cushy life. And that's probably the biggest thing that we have to come to grips with. The hardest thing to grasp about this all is that there might be a lot of discomfort in the times to come. But the happiest place to be is in the center of God's will. You can look at missionary after missionary. Um, yeah, just the stories of incredible grace over people's lives when they had little, when they were in tough circumstances, yet they could still gladly devote their lives to, to hardship to the harshness of poverty, to sickness, to wherever they were, being away from family, whatever it was that God called them to, because they were in the will of God and that was the best place to be. And we need to remember that as we move forward. Let's quickly, because we don't have lots of time, look at the life of Paul. And quickly, I just want to look at some of the things that, that came out of his mouth that are truth challenges to us. Firstly, his view of God, when he's preaching and he's speaking to others because we were looking at the mistakes that Jonah made. Let's look at the flip side, um, that, that Jonah had a wrong view of God. Let's look at Paul's view of God. And in Acts 17 verse 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Paul was established in God's goodness. He was established in God's grace. Um, Paul was so sensitive in mistake number two that Jonah made, of thinking that he could disobey God and it would be okay. Paul was so sensitive in sticking to God's will and being in the center of God's will. In Acts 20 verse 22, he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He did move. He did move on. But the very reason he was moving on was because God compelled him, even though he didn't know what was going to happen next. A real leap of faith. And if you look at the mistake of location that, that Jonah made, thinking it didn't matter, Paul sensitively prayed through his moves. You always see, I went with this person here. We went here. We're coming here. We long to be here, but we can't come. Um, where Paul was and his strategy was always dictated to by God. He was always going to God and saying, God, what do you want? And we just see signs of it all over the, Paul's writings. Three errors in judgment that Jonah made. It was that you, you can have peace even if it's not from God. And, and Jonah had that. But throughout... God's grace and peace is so pivotal to Paul that it's something that he, he regularly says through his writings. It's a whole nother study, but there's a beauty in God's peace that he had come to lean into. Um, Jonah's second bad judgment was thinking that, that he's serving God even when his heart wasn't in it. And when you see how how Paul just comes and he'll write these letters, and he'll say, oh, just, I just so long to see you. 
I just long to do this, you know, and, and you can just see that he's, and you see through his actions how he just longs to, to, to correct, to teach, to rebuke, to see people saved, to do the will of God, that his true north is so well aligned that he doesn't get strongly shaken by the magnetic north. He does the will of God and his heart's in it too. And then the third bad judgment of Jonah was that you can honor promises to the Lord without having a change of heart. And there you see that, that Paul's conversion experience, he, he has, he gets blinded, he can't see, he doesn't know if it's going to be forever or just for a few days, same as Jonah. Am I going to be in the whale's stomach forever? Well, not whale, big fish. Are we going to, am I going to be in the big fish's stomach forever? He didn't know. And so we can say great things when we're in the midst of tough times, not knowing how it's going to end. But we have a great way of forgetting the minute that we get spewed out and, and we see salvation on the other side. And it's the same when we look at the life of Paul. We just see that he's blinded. He, he makes a covenant to God. He, he, he devotes his life to God. And the minute he can see again, he just gets on a mission with God. His heart is there, not just his words. And then when you look at his attitude towards the lives of others, you see that deep concern for the church. I'm running out of time, so I'm, going to, I'm not going to read the scriptures, but you know it comes through the scriptures over and over again. Then his attitude towards um, his life. And in Philippians 1 verse 20 to 21, he says this. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was someone who knew exactly what he was about. He knew the very purpose of his life. So often we can kind of try and get to the what are we all about? Why do we exist? Why? You know, what am I here for? What am I achieving? Often it's we dissatisfied because we actually aren't, our, our true north isn't dictating what our life is all about. Our life's purpose, our big goal. And, and we, we're being too pulled by the, the magnetic north, by... Yeah, what we, what, what we feel um, would be good to achieve, what we feel would good, be good to accumulate, the name we could make for ourselves. It is so utterly meaningless, yet Paul gets to the secret of it. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Both of those are a significant part of the believer's life. And then lastly, his attitude towards God. I don't even need to speak on that. Read Paul's writings and you know that God was number one. So when we look at our country and going, what hope is there? There is always hope in God, but it may look different to what you expect. It might giving up your be, mean giving up your expectations, what you've been carefully building, the life that you've been carving out for yourself and your family, and surrendering to God and saying, God, you have placed me here, now use me. God, I see hope. This country isn't beyond God's redemption. I, I'm, I'm cautious to say anything because I know I can't see the future. But I know that we can be completely content in some very hectic situations, but we have to be willing to place ourselves in those situations. The rich young ruler responds to Jesus and says, what you're saying, it's just too much for me. And for some of you, this message will be too much. Because for some of us, it will require stepping out and life not going the way we expected. But when we do things God's way, there is so much more joy. There are so many new opportunities that, that unfold. 
I'm still reminded of this verse and God isn't just waiting to punish us. This isn't a hopeless case. That verse that says, I was young and now I'm old. I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. I don't know how that works in this kingdom. I don't know how that works in this world. But I have to hold on to the promises and the hope that God gives. And I need to be faithful to what God's called me to. So how do we live in this country? How do we, we unfold the, the plan that God's got? I don't know, because it's going to look different for all of us. Uh, I just know that God's hand is still on our country. I also know that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, that we can be opening a whole nother can of worms. And so it's not always better. And we must also let go of the, the kind of dream or the vision that, that things will get easier. The thing that we take with us is ourselves and our walk with God. And that is what is most important. That is what counts the most. That is what's going to count for eternity. And so when we look at that, um, that quote, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That just rings true. It's a beautiful way to end as we as we just spend some time, and I just want to challenge you after I've prayed, just to even spend some time contemplating your life, your fears that you have, being honest with God. We don't need to lie about it either. Um, you know, being just kind of putting forth our fears, writing them down, journaling. It doesn't, that doesn't mean we're being like Jonah. It just means we're telling God what's on our table, what's kind of on our plate, what we're scared of. And as we do that and we process things, we might find that God opens up a clear plan, a clear pattern of why he's placed you where you are for this time. And so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the peace that we have when we are walking closely to you. Lord, I pray that at Connect Church will be known as a community of believers who believes in who you are, believes in your word, um, is passionate about your purposes for our lives, Lord, and has the courage to go there and trust you. Lord, we don't want our lives to be average. We don't want to not count um, for you, Lord. We want to be building your kingdom. We want you to be our true north, Father. So just align us with your purposes, Father. Lord, we love your name. We love what you're doing in this church and continue to do what you're doing in our country. We trust that you have South Africa in your hands. Amen.